0: I still remember where I was the first time it hit me. I maybe do have ADHD. And it's funny, I posted a TikTok the other day about having ADHD, and a good friend of mine texted me and said, remember when you swore to me you didn't have ADHD? Oh, goodness. Well, listen, if you relate to that at any point in your life, I want to share a podcast that you should tune into. It's called ADHD Aha, hosted by Laura Key. It's candid stories from people who share the moment it clicked that they or someone they know has ADHD. In each episode, you'll hear heartfelt interviews about the unexpected, emotional, and even funny ways that ADHD symptoms can surface for adults. And it doesn't always look the way we thought it would. So check it out. To listen to ADHD AHA, search for ADHD AHA in your podcast app. That's ADHD AHA with AHA spelled A-H-A. Hello, you sentient balls of stardust. This is Struggle Care, the podcast with your host, Casey Davis. And today's episode is a special episode. It's actually a part two where I talk with fellow content creator and therapist student, Kate Leggett. Kate and I got into a bit of a disagreement online, and then we sat down to hash it out together to have an honest, vulnerable, open conversation. So you don't want to miss part one. Part one is actually happening over on Kate's podcast, which is Restoring Relationships. So head over there listen to part one, and then come back here for part two. So without further ado, welcome to part two.
1: Be real with me, Casey. How, when you saw my first video, what did you think? What were you like? Because you said- Oh, I was totally aggravated. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think, I mean, and that happens on social media a lot, especially because in the context of like 60 seconds, Yeah, there's so little room for nuance. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can be talking about something and there's several points that you could make. Right. And you're choosing one point. Yeah. And I think what is hard is that when you hear someone say, well, but here's this other point that I think goes into this conversation Mm -hmm. is one thing. But then sometimes if I hear someone say like, no, that point is wrong because Mm -hmm. X, Mm -hmm. and that was my first impression when I watched Mm -hmm. your video. Mm Mm-hmm. And, but the other context to that though, is that like, if you and I were just friends that mm-hmm. we were like sitting on the couch and I was like, Hey, what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. And you were like, mm, I don't feel it. I'm not feeling it. Cause I think this, mm-hmm. then that would have been like a completely different context. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, when I make videos on like social media, what it feels like sometimes, sometimes it's just the amount You know what I mean? It's like the ninth stitch that day that I've seen. Yeah, yeah. But like I was watching something recently and like the scene was this woman was giving her paper, like her research, like paper at a conference.
1: Like her thesis or something.
0: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. or something, right? It wasn't like her PhD, but she had written this paper and she's presenting it at a conference. She gets like halfway through and this guy in the audience stands up and is like, how do you sort of reconcile that with these new papers that we found? And she was like, what new papers? (laughs) There's no remaining like correspondence. And they were like, oh no, there is. It was found two weeks ago. It's over at my college. And she was like, oh, well, I look forward to reading it. And then she like goes about and he's like, well, but it it completely disproves your whole point. And I'm not saying it's like that at all. I'm just saying that like the feel, like the gut feeling as a creator sometimes is that sitting on the couch with a friend just sort of, we're like, I call my friends who are therapists all the time. And I say like, here's the thought I have. And they're like, no, that's wrong but sometimes when you're making forward facing like educational content yeah that's what it can feel like is like yeah. someone standing up in the middle and being like no wrong and whether they mean that or not that's sometimes like the initial defensive <sighs> reaction
1: totally i mean to be honest i've like cringe watching both of the video so like you made the first video i think i your context was maybe talking about a neighbor like, was that kind of what you're thinking? Like when someone's no, angry?
0: No, I was, t- so the TikTok that I made was the one where I said, I have a boundary that I go by and mm-hmm. it's, I apply it to everyone. Mm-hmm. And that is you're only as good as how you treat me when you're angry. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so that was the comment Yes. and it blew up because obviously there are lots of ways that you could take that. There are mm-hmm. lots of like personal experiences that you can kind of project onto that and and people did, like, there were some people that were like, absolutely, yes. And then there are people that were like, no, absolutely not. Don't judge me by my worst moments. Yeah. And the, the context that I was referring to was I was thinking about how so many times in relationships that are really harmful, toxic, like worst case relationships that are abusive, but even ones that are just toxic. Do you know what I mean? mm mm-hmm. I think that what happens a lot of times is that when we think about relationships that are harmful or degrading to ourselves, we picture an abusive person being abusive all the time, right? Right right, like, and surely that exists, right there mm-hmm. it does exist that there's like the guy that comes home and dinner's not on the table at exactly six and he like bangs you over the head with a plate, right. Mm-hmm. That exists. But I think that a lot of people have the idea that that's what abuse and degradation and right. a bad toxic relationship look like. Mm-hmm. And then what they're experiencing is that this person is sweet to me and kind to me most of the time. Mm-hmm. but when they get angry, they tell me I'm a stupid cunt who, and no wonder nobody loves you, mm-hmm. but it only happens when they're angry. Hmm. And so they're living this life of, well, it's just cause he's angry. And some people grew up in an environment where they think that that's just what everyone does when they're angry. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I mean, I grew up in so that, that, that environment. Was, yeah. Like that was sort of my context was like, yeah, totally. We need to judge people by that standard. Not just how how you treat gotcha. me when you're happy with me mm-hmm. isn't the standard that I judge people by. How you treat me when you're angry with me. Like are you mm-hmm. capable of like treating me like a human being with dignity even when you're angry with me? Right. So that was yeah. my context. And that
1: makes total sense. I think anger is a really hard complicated thing to deal with and talk about in real life because it's so scary. And I think especially with women, it's, you know, our anger is more internalizing and it's depression and anxiety more than it is yelling and screaming all the time, you know, or so anyway, I think it's such a nuanced thing. I appreciate your different context. I definitely looking back was coming from my context obviously. And I think what would have been more helpful and constructive, Before you tell me what's helpful. Yeah. I totally want to hear your context though. Yeah. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. My context is that anger isn't necessarily the issue. It's the lack of repair after anger. That's the issue. It can be so destructive, but at the same time, if someone's 20 years old and at school they were bullied and on the bus they were bullied and at home they were neglected. And I mean, you know, we envision that as like, you're saying kind of the incessant assault and it's not like that. It's more like those five comments, maybe from the same person or random, you know, whatever. And, you know, I think that's, just, especially now in schools, like kids on social media in high school, like I can't even imagine the language that they're just around. You know, it's kind of, I think of that cruelty as like a second language in a way, you know, if you're smaller, you have to adapt in a way that is effective for you. And a lot of times that's, you know, being the meanest person possible. I mean, I, ju- mm-hmm. I recently read this book by John Ronson. It's a um, So you've been publicly shamed and it literally talks about people that have been canceled. It's real stories. It's so good. And it just taught he interviews this troll from, I don't know, Reddit or some online community. And she gives kind of context and a face to an online troll. And it's like, they're this person that has zero power anywhere. And even out in the world and like, people can't loiter anymore. Like they can't hang out in general areas because of like stop and frisk. Um, is out what it is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so they're this just powerless person and they don't know anything else. And so I think people like that still can have a healthy relationship if they want. So it's more so like, you're going to be this way. Like it's going to be natural for you when you get angry to like cut throat. But if you recognize that and like become aware of that and like build, you know, change. Like there's an Mm. opportunity for
0: change, right? Well, yeah. And And what you're saying is you are still deserving of love and compassion, even if you're that person. And actually here's how I experienced that and how I experienced it a lot of times is that, so when I made that TikTok, you know, that was my context. That was my, and even if I really look at myself and I identify my own personal context, which Mm -hmm. is that I grew up in an environment where for, in sort of, different people, but all in my childhood were very cutthroat with me mm-hmm. and cruel to me when they were mm-hmm. angry. Mm-hmm. And I went through so much hard work trying to get sober, trying to heal, trying Mm -hmm. to be a healthy person that I no longer have any tolerance Mm -hmm. for anyone that treats me that way. And again, on that axis, right? Like I'm not going to like throw away my, you know, mom if she gets angry and says something. Right. But if I make a new friend or I start dating someone and that is something that comes up with them, what happens with me is, hey you are a person, you have dignity, you have the right to recover at your own pace. I don't think you're unworthy of love, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to continue a relationship with you. Like that, you're not the person for me if that's where your places are. And I think a lot of times what happens, especially in talks about this, is that like, I'm almost talking as if I'm the therapist of that woman who's like, but he's nice most of the time, or Mm -hmm. that man who's like, well, she's great most of the time, but then she, you know, tells me that I'm worth nothing and no one will love me. And someone else hears it, but like you hear it. And what you think of is like, you're the therapist of that person sitting in your office crying Mm -hmm. because when they get angry, they fly off the handle and they feel like they don't deserve a good, healthy relationship Mm -hmm. because they keep hurting people. Mm -hmm. And your job is to come around them and say, like, that doesn't make you not worthy. Right. Had I to do it again, I wish I would have chosen a different language Mm -hmm. than saying, you're only as good as, Mm -hmm. because- That implies that I'm making a judgment about their worthiness and that Mm -hmm. wasn't my intention. And so, Mm -hmm. and I tried to explain that, but yeah, you know, people felt very triggered by that, that the goodness was referring to like goodness of fit or like good for me. Right, right. Like, I'm not going to judge you on how you treat me when you're nice. I'm judging you by how you treat me when you're angry with me. And I'm not judging your worthiness, Mm -hmm. but I am judging whether or not I'm going to be in this relationship with you appropriate to that X, Y axis. So it was an interesting interaction because I thought that there's this very interesting conversation in the intersection of cutoff culture and like boundaries and toxicity that I think we're still trying to figure out because Mm -hmm. we've swung to both sides, right? We've gone from this sort of like white supremacy, cut off, act the right way or I'm done with you. And we're trying to say, well, let's not do cut off culture. But I think sometimes we swing all the way to like, you should accept all behavior from all people at all time when the truth is so nuanced. Are you frustrated by buying your kids clothes and having them grow out of them within a week? Do they itch, pinch, and they just aren't comfortable? Well, then you need to check out Posh Peanut, made from this amazing bamboo material. The clothes are legitimately so soft, and they stretch with your kids as they grow. They are four times stretchier than cotton, made to last loved by parents and approved by kids. Posh Peanut makes thoughtfully crafted, beautiful and stylish clothing for kids and families designed in-house from beautiful florals to all of your favorite brands, such as Hot Wheels, Disney, Hello Kitty, and Barbie. Their pieces are made with that ridiculously soft fabric and it even stays soft, wash after wash after wash. Right now, Posh Peanut is offering our listeners 20% off your first order with promo code STRUGGLE. Go to poshpeanut.com slash STRUGGLE and use promo code STRUGGLE for 20% off your first order. That's poshpeanut.com slash STRUGGLE, promo code STRUGGLE. Hey, if you enjoyed my episode on IEPs and you want to listen to more podcast episodes about IEPs, I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season, the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. You might have heard me talk about IEPs on my episode, and this latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I checked out these episodes, and I think that they are a great place for you to go after listening to mine. They go into a little more detail and answer a little more in depth about what an IEP is and whether your child needs one. So listen to Understood Explains by searching for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains.
1: I totally agree. And it's it is so nuanced and I think, you know, so your context if I'm getting this right is like kind of when you're meeting new people and when you're choose like when you have choice and still like autonomy and my context more is it within the context of a long-term relationship. So again, so You know, say you grew up this way, you got married, you've been married for 15 years, and then you're kind of learning about all this toxicity and you're going to therapy and you're like, oh shit, like this is so bad. What do I do? I go online, I look at all this stuff, and everything's just like leave, 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 leave. And it's like Mm. so much more complex than that. And I think that's a swing the pendulum thing where women, for example, haven't been able to leave a marriage, you know, ever until. You know 1973 or four i think we could have a credit card like so women haven't been able to leave before and then now we have the option but like i just think it's fascinating that even when you have the option you don't like what is that and so i wanted to add another voice to the conversation of like you don't have to just like leave right now and because that perpetuates the breakup makeup cycle. And mm-hmm. it's like, not as simple as when they're angry or what, cause you probably do it too. Like, that's the thing is like, they might do it, but you probably do it too. And even if you don't do it in the same way, you might, you know, lie Esther Perel talks about how women lie by omission or like denying more so than like yes. an explicit lie. And mm-hmm. anyway, so I think that influence of social media all oh, there's so much information and i think my voice on that platform is just like it's not all or nothing and there is always like i just believe so much in redemption and restoration of relationships especially like people aren't disposable your life isn't disposable like you don't have to leave your kids and your whole you know like your whole life to like be healthy and
0: safe and so That's the interesting thing to me about making like mental health or therapy content is that if we had an actual couple in an office, like if you and I were both like tag teaming, like therapy, and we were both like seeing a couple, and we had to decide whether to give the, not necessarily advice, but whether or not we think... Hey, we should encourage this person to break this relationship off, or we should encourage this person to not just, you know, toss away something. I bet you 99.9% of the time you and I would actually agree on which of those things to say. Mm -hmm. Based on one specific individual when we could see all of the different variables, Mm -hmm. all of the different like what is the behavior? How long has the behavior been happening? What is this person's willingness to work on it? What's this person's willingness to work on it? How long have they been together? Like, I bet you we would agree because there'd be times when we would be like, ooh, considering it's that type of violent behavior, or it's been that consistent of toxic behavior that this person doesn't seem to want to change that can, he, you know, the gas, whatever, like we'd be like, "Mm, you're better than this, babe. Or we'd be like, no, you know what? Like you guys are both healing. Like you don't need to throw away a 15 year marriage Mm -hmm. because you're both coming. Like, but when you're making content, for the masses, Mm -hmm. it gets really tricky to communicate in a way that has enough nuance that that truism like holds truth for people. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think what I'm getting is like when
1: the relationship is there, like when you and I are in the room with these people, we've spent time, like so much time with them. We've really gotten to know them. That's when as people, we can kind of have, it's like, see it for what it is whereas yeah. online there's no relationship and so everyone's coming from all their different <laughs> experiences and it's just like a mess and mm-hmm. yeah i think my favorite thing i've learned in school is like you know the highest like factor that determines a positive client outcome is the quality of the therapeutic relationship like it's not the technique it's not the research it's not the treatment yeah. it's like it's literally the quality of the relationship. And, um, that's totally missing on social media, like, especially with creators and audiences. And so I think it's really powerful that we can connect in this way and kind of, I mean, I definitely like feel badly about how I communicated my context. And I think I could have added a lot of, I think I could have given a lot of like, I don't know, cushioned it a lot more and like seen you and validated your point while also making mine. I I think that I chose the approach that was like mine over yours. And I think that just, that's not as helpful
0: and and not kind. And I hear you. I hear you, you know? and I think that that's like a lovely thing about you, you know, just like I'm reflecting on like probably should have said good. But what the other thing that I think this brings up that's really interesting is that therapists are seen as professionals. And when we speak in a session or when we write a paper or we write, like it's like we have all this time to formulate our thoughts, choose the exact right words, things like that. But yeah. on social media, particularly on TikTok, where there's kind of a discourse happening. Mm hmm. Even though I always attempt to be intentional, it's hard to feel like you get graded on every single word being the exact right word, every single intonation and every single, and you're like, okay, maybe, you know, and then you end up kind of defending everyone and going, well, it's an information super highway. So Mm -hmm. like to see a video and go, wait, I have some input and then go on there and give your input. Like we should also have a little more grace for each other. Yeah. And, you know, okay, here's this feeling of defensiveness I'm having but how can I use my own tools of regulation to sort of breathe through that, let that sit, and then make sure that when I'm actually engaging with that person, I'm not sort of like shots fired, like (laughs) unless someone's obviously come at me and being rude. But yeah, because I mean, it's the same thing happened to me when people are like, good, good. I can't believe you said good. You shouldn't have said good. And I'm like, okay, well, I didn't mean it in that context. And then people are like, yeah, but you should have known your audience. You should have known we would take that. And they're like, yeah, maybe you're right. But also Mm -hmm. like, uh it's like it's it's okay I was it's just mis- like it's firing okay. off the hip okay. right yeah, like, yeah. not uh, most things i say on tiktok are not some long scripted going through i mean listen when i wrote my book mm-hmm. the amount of edits mm-hmm. back and forth and then it went to a sensitivity reader mm. right someone that i paid to read it from a different point of view making sure and i changed words singular words yeah. in my book because of the impact they might have on people but i think we have to hold this tension of yes, I can expect creators, especially ones that have some sort of social credit or some Mm -hmm. expertise to be accountable to their words Mm -hmm. and recognize that like this platform is not putting out content that is going through like several rounds of edits and making sure. And that like, if they use a word here or there, they don't need to be crucified for it. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's a
1: really great point. And that kind of packages everything that I think is conflict resolution and like a relationship and like health and growth. And I mean, cause we're doing like, when you're doing TikToks at three to four a day, you're just like, it's like, Oh, I'm just going about my day. I have this thought I'm going to post it. And then it's okay.
0: You know? And so. I see that same thing that you talk about with like relationship, like cutoff versus so, and I think another great example of that though is when it comes to division of labor, Mm, mm-hmm. So there has been such an issue with women shouldering the whole division of labor mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and men putting that upon them and men not caring about that and men being unwilling to step to the plate and redistribute that the pendulum has swung all the way over where if someone makes a TikTok about how like they're frustrated that they're doing too much around the house, the comments are like, leave him, leave him, leave yeah, him, kick yeah. him to the curb, yeah. leave him. <laughs> and and here's the thing, That's like, so funny to me, right? And so I think in that is that same nuance that we're talking about, where sometimes I see someone say something where it's like no matter the context that's not okay mm-hmm. and i i wish that that woman could find a way to not put up with that however this is where i am like you where i'm like okay guys like this is a systemic issue and there are good men mm-hmm. and loving fathers and mm-hmm. loving husbands mm-hmm. that are really operating under what i call dad and male privilege Mm-hmm. And they don't see it. They don't know what they don't know. They don't know what they don't know. They don't yeah. see it. And like, we don't need to throw away the whole relationship. Like it's a marriage. They it. it's like a they bar- need to. Like, yeah, exactly. Like give them the chance <laughs> to go through a process of unpacking yeah. this huge right piece of priv- systemic right. privilege, and and systemic privilege, yeah. and it takes discrimination. And it takes time.
1: It takes yes. time. Like it doesn't happen like this. And I think that's kind of goes back to the whole thing of like, if you're angry, you know, like, it's not just a transactional thing of like you being angry, boundary or like cut off, you know, like, it's a reciprocal thing. It's not a transactional thing. It's more like, over time, slowly, gently over time, but consistently, and giving people the chance, you know, but I think, it doesn't make it any less painful, I think. And that's what is the thing. It's like when we see that every time, even though we know it, even though maybe we've worked through that or we've helped people do that, it's still
0: like, oh, I I hate this. This makes me feel so bad. It's it's the tricky thing about making mental health content because I don't want to make a piece of content that says, you shouldn't put up with mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. unequal distribution of labor. You should not, you know, live your life being like in this position of never getting to have your own identity, never getting to have your life with someone who refuses to take like, I don't want to make that content. And then someone who is married to a good man that doesn't yeah. see it goes, yeah. Okay, that's what Casey Davis said. I'm done with you. <laughs> but conversely. Yeah i don't want to make a piece of content that says you know what like guys are really trying like they've been indoctrinated their whole life like we really need to have some patience and some woman in a relationship where that man is refusing to do anything that's saying i don't care melissa you're the one that wanted kids i'm gonna go on my 10-day hunting trip and you clean everything you figure it out like i don't want that woman to hear that content and go okay, well, I don't want to be like a bad person or mm-hmm. I don't want to not be nice. So I guess I'll just right. stay with it. And I think that is like the crux of everything we're talking about. Totally. Totally. Right? Is like, and I don't want, because we want to help people and I don't mm-hmm. want either a ad- piece of advice Or even worse, I don't want some man to hear it and be like, see, Melissa, (laughs) you should be patient with me as I refuse to do anything around the
1: house. I hate those comments. I get like, my my boyfriend just sent this to me, like, I don't know, like enabling his own thoughtlessness and negligence. But yes, and we don't want
0: our our advice weaponized.
1: Well, and I think that that is a great reason to, I think, have these conversations and to bring you know, another platform to a 60 second video or a couple interactions. And I think this circles back to the whole thing that struck me about you from the minute I saw your videos two years ago was that like, you are doing what is best for you. And that is having an impact on everyone else. And I think like, ultimately people get to decide for themselves, like, just because we're trained as therapists, just because we have this following, just because we have a TEDx talk in a book, like we don't live your life and wake up in your bed and have the experiences you've had and have the job you have and the kids and the family, you know, the culture, wherever you are, like, we don't have that. So take it with a grain of salt. And like, if it brings you relief, if it makes you feel hopeful for the future, then maybe it's good for you. And if it makes, you know, like, I don't know, what's your own system of,
0: yeah, like, what if there through a support system also yeah, like that's I true. think that's another that's reason great. for like the emphasis of like therapy content can't replace in-person therapy totally because an that's in-person right. therapist would be able to contextualize that advice for you and tell you whether or not that was good advice for this time that's but exactly even if you right. can't afford a therapist like having a good support system of friends people that you can check things out with like Because I could call a good friend that knows me, knows my husband, knows my marriage and say, hey, I heard this thought, this content about how I should not put up with X, Y, Z or how I should always forgive X, Y, Z. And my support system, I think of it like a strainer, right? Like I can put the whole can of soup in there and they will be able to help me see, okay, but Casey, in this position, like you're someone who is so constantly struggled with boundaries and like, you yeah. feel like you have to forgive everyone because you yeah. feel like you have to be some good Christian girl or they can go, okay, Casey, but you also are so afraid of being abandoned. You have this history of abandoning people first so that they don't abandon you. And I'm afraid that maybe this advice is sort of helping mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. do that. Like it's yeah. really key to have totally, a, a, a support yeah. like that. I've never met a free trial I didn't like or a budget I didn't listen to, which is why Rocket Money is perfect for me. And it might be perfect for you, too. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month, so I can clearly see my spending habits. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. And they send me emails keeping me updated with where I am on that budget. Rocket Money will even try and negotiate lower bills for you up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users. They can find and cancel your unwanted subscriptions, and they have saved people over a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash struggle. That's rocketmoney.com slash struggle, rocketmoney.com slash struggle. When Breath Becomes Air by Paul Kalanithi is the exquisitely observed memoir of an idealistic young neurosurgeon attempting to answer the question, what makes a life worth living, as he deals with his own terminal cancer diagnosis. It's a stunning reminder to live while we're alive, a must-read for anyone in medicine from a doctor-turned-patient. For healthcare workers, expand your view on patient care and the fragile beauty of our mortal lives through Kalanithi's unforgettable words. Some of the questions Kalanithi wrestles with in this book include, what makes a life worth living in the face of death? What do you do when the future flattens out into a perpetual present, when the future no longer is a ladder towards your goals in life? What does it mean when you have a child to nurture a new life as another fades away? When Breath Becomes Air is a number one New York Times bestseller, Pulitzer Prize finalist, and was named one of the best books of the year by the New York Times Book Review, People, NPR, The Washington Post, Slate, and more. When Breath Becomes Air is available wherever books are sold. Learn more at prh.com breath.
1: I love that i think that is ideal and i think people that do have the support also have you know that's you're very lucky you know and but it takes time to build and it's the most important thing ever like when i got married is when i kind of realized the value of my girlfriends i was like everyone matters this isn't like the one person that's going to do everything like it's a system like you said and i think that's where social media can fall short as these parasocial relationships that aren't real relationships where people know you intimately as an individual and they just know your online persona. And I think I love that. I think that's the biggest point that people matter. People aren't disposable. Relationships are real. And that's like my opinion is like they're the hardest thing, but it's the bravest thing to face your shit in a relationship and like grow from the inside out in a way so
0: and I think when we say people I love that just like boiling it down to people are not disposable Mm -hmm. because I feel like that speaks to both truths that like you and I kind of feel passionate about which is on the one hand like people are not disposable and so like they don't deserve to be thrown away over one mistake Mm -hmm. they even people with Extremely ingrained patterns of sort of maybe reactive abuse or borderline personality disorder or PTSD that are having trouble regulating in the midst of overwhelming feelings. And sometimes that comes out as being mean. Mm -hmm. They don't deserve to be thrown away just because they, like, we don't choose how abuse shapes our reactions. Mm -hmm. And For some of us, abuse makes us curl in and become a doormat and say, yes, okay, no matter what. Mm -hmm. And for others of us, abuse makes us puff up and get big and reactive and go, I will hurt you before you hurt me. Yeah. And there's not like one of those doesn't make you a better person or a more worthy person of being in a relationship. And you're not disposable. You deserve somebody who will love you and work through that with you. And, and It's also true that you are not disposable. Mm -hmm. And so if the person you are in relationship with, regardless of how genuine their struggle is, continues to engage in behavior that demeans you and belittles you and makes you feel disposable you don't have to decide that that person's not worthy of love to decide that you don't want to be in that relationship. Yeah. It doesn't work for you. Like you're not benefiting. You're not growing. You're
1: not learning. It's not changing. I think that's like the key is like, it's not changing no matter Mm -hmm. what happens and And, changing
0: like long-term, not just, Oh, tomorrow they're sorry. Right. 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 The transactional thing, like, like a heart thing. Yeah. It's deeper.
1: It's not just behavior. It's an attitude. And Yeah. I love
0: that. And sometimes we need that support to help us figure out what side of that. How do I balance that? How do I balance the fact that I am a person who deserves love and community and respect and that other person is too? So like, Mm -hmm. how do we navigate that? Because Mm -hmm. it's not true that like one of us deserves to be abused just because this person deserves to not be alone. Mm -hmm. But it's also true that this person doesn't deserve to be thrown away just because they struggle in a certain way. And so how do we help people navigate relationships where they are both worthy of love and respect and dignity? Mm -hmm. And sometimes that will mean they stay together and reconcile the relationship. And sometimes it means that, They decide to discontinue that relationship Mm -hmm. in order to preserve both their own dignity and the dignity of the other.
1: Totally. And sometimes it's more nuanced where they just need a break and they need to move Mm -hmm. out and they need to get different jobs where they're not working together and separate, but not in an existential way. And that's totally parts of it. But I think this has just been such an enriching conversation of you're so intelligent and see things and I think your platform is really I don't know I just think this will have a huge impact hopefully thank you
0: it reminds me of sometimes when I'm talking to people that are married and they're trying to like quote-unquote set boundaries but the only like boundary they know to set is like if you don't fill in the blank I'm gonna leave Mm mm-hmm And, but they're not actually like ready to leave. They don't Mm want to leave. They don't want to do that. But they're so frustrated because they can't get their partner to like make some necessary changes. And so they come and they're like, okay, so do I stay or do I leave? And it reminds me of what you said, where it's like that's such black and white thinking. Yeah, right. Like those are the only two choices that I need to make them now. And I'm such a fan of reminding people that there's so much gray area in between, including, you know, okay, like let's separate, let's live in different places for a while. And you could live in different places and not be in relationship, but stay married. You can live in different places and remain monogamous, but not see each other. Mm -hmm. You could remain living in different places and date each other. Yeah.
1: And, you know, I think of um, going back to how you said people setting boundaries, it's kind of more on someone else's behavior than it is around your own well-being. So I like to think of it as like, okay, when you do this, it makes me, I get really angry. And when you continue to do it, I get angrier and angrier, especially when I'm telling you to stop doing it. It doesn't change. And for myself, I don't like myself when I get that angry. I don't like Mm -hmm. feeling that out of control. And so because of that, I'm going to take care of myself and remove my, go to the other room or sleep in a separate bed or take a walk or take care of myself. I like thinking about boundaries as that too, because it's for yourself, but also acknowledging the other, but it's not like only the other. Cause I think, you know, I think the biggest, to me, a huge takeaway from this conversation is it's always, and it's not mm-hmm. either, or it's always, and there's always gray area. And I think support is what helps you discern what that is.
0: I also think, because I believe in boundaries in the same way you do. I always tell people boundaries is not about how close I will let you come. It's about how far I'm willing to go. It's not about trying to control the behavior of people around me. Yeah. It's about understanding that there is a point where I end and you begin. Yeah.
1: And understanding myself. Yeah. Understanding myself in this environment of you of this environment of the relationship. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I always like, I think that being, I try not to use the language of setting boundaries. Mm. I think that the better language is being boundaried. Ooh. Ooh. That's good. Like I am a boundaried person. You have boundaries, whether you like it or not, Um, I just am going to act as if I have them, I can honor them. And I think that's that understanding of like, there's a place in time, there's an emotional social context where I end Mm -hmm. and you begin. Mm -hmm. So I'm not responsible for what happens after that stopping point. Right. I am responsible to you. I'm not responsible for you. Yes. Yes. I'm not responsible for what you feel, but I am responsible to you, meaning I don't get to say, you know, I don't get to like act horrific towards you and then be like, I'm not responsible for your feelings. Like, no, but I am responsible to you. I am responsible to your feelings. Yeah. Yeah. I'm responsible to, you know, how I treat you and my own behavior. Yeah. Right. And I think, I think, and there are
1: limits to my responsibility also, like, that's what you're saying, not for, but to. It's Mm -hmm. like that in itself recognizes your own limits. You can't control someone else. You can influence it, but that's really it. Yeah. Well, I don't really know how to, I haven't figured out how to like end these things.
0: (laughs) How how to land the plane? Me neither. I I want to stop awkwardly and I'm like, "Mm okay, well. Sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I can say that this has been a really cool conversation. This is like one of my favorite things to talk about is that sort of nuance between. Sort of this weird place we find ourselves in of giving, making mental health content, Mm -hmm. knowing everything is super nuanced Mm -hmm. and dealing with how we contextualize that and how we intersect with other people who may be contextualizing it differently for different and very valid reasons.
1: Yeah. And giving ourselves grace in the process of figuring it out in this like ever evolving, ever changing, like social media landscape but yeah, it was really, I feel like I'm going to be processing this conversation for days. There's, it was so rich with perspective and information. And um, yeah, I think most of all, I appreciate like just the opportunity to, I don't know, connect over our similarities and our differences and in perspective in and, you know, respectful, fun, engaging way. So thanks so much, Casey.